We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. It is a uh, joy this morning to open Missions Month 2023. And this is the time of the year where we really focus on mission. I mean, we focus on mission, I hope, all the time, but this is the time where we really drill in and focus on our role and our part on, on taking the gospel into our community and into our world to bring people into a right relationship with God and with each other, which is what mission is about. But this is not our first missions month, right? You've, you've, you've seen these before. We've done it a few times. And you may be thinking to yourself, what more can these people tell us about mission? What more do these people know about mission? Surely they have exhausted their supply of thinking about mission, right? And you might just be right. Because here in, in the, the church in New Zealand, in the West, there are some things that we are very, very good at, that we've got nailed, things that we're awesome at. And there are some things that we're still learning at, things that we need to to pick uh, up ideas from other people and wisdom from other people. And I think mission might be one of those things. That it's one of those things that we're still growing at here in, in St. Martin C3 and, and in New Zealand. But very fortunately, we happen to be in this church partnered with the very best of the best in terms of missions. The, the absolute Jedis of mission. All right, or maybe that's not a reference for you. The All Blacks of Mission, the Spice Girls of Mission, whatever is your inclination, the, just whatever your gold standard is, that is what Bluebird Group in Indonesia is about. And you'll see there's a Bluebird taxi up behind me. Yep, good. That's who the ministry is named after. It's, it's, Indonesia is not the easiest place to do ministry, so they name their ministry after the local taxi company so they can talk about it in public. That's quite clever, right? Whatever your gold standard is, that is Bluebird Group. And, and I, so I'm involved. I, I head up a group called Bright Hope World. We have partners all around the world. And I've seen a lot of ministry. I've seen a lot of missions organizations. And I can tell you, Bluebird Group is as good as it gets, as good as I have seen uh, anywhere. And we are genuine partners with them. We, we support them financially as a church. We pray for them. We're, we're connected in with them. We're, we're not on the field, but we are part of the team, and we are acknowledged in that role. And so starting today and for the next three Sundays, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Bluebird Group, and we're going to answer one simple question, which is what can we humbly learn from our partners in Indonesia that will help us lift our game in missions and in reaching our community by learning from the very best? Now, some of you may have familiarity with Bluebird Group. Um, you may have seen the, the slides that we, we have up. Um, I've talked about them before. Some of you may be aware that Jonty and I uh, recently went and spent some time with them, hung out with their, their team, heard some of their stories, but I, I'm not going to assume that everyone has familiarity with them. So I'm going to give you a bit of an overview of who they are and what they're about. And the first thing to know is that they are based in a place called Salatiga in Indonesia, in the middle of the island of Java. 
Now Java, which you can see up behind me again, um, is not very big. It's, it's about three quarters the size of the South Island, but has 152 million people in it. And about 96% of those people are Muslim. And there's a little bit of folk religion bolted on to that. So, and, I, and I say this because as we look to discern lessons and learn from Bluebird Group, I don't want you to think, ah, they have it easy. Okay? This is not that. This is a, a hot, humid, we say this from experience, mountainous place that is full of people who are deeply religious, who, have, who for generations have, have clung to these faith, this faith and these beliefs. And it's, it's not easy ministry at all. And people who leave the faith can, in some cases, face social isolation. If you share with the wrong person, you can face violence or worse. And if the government gets wind of the idea that you're trying to convert people, you can face arrest, prosecution, prison. It's not easy. It's not an easy place to do ministry. So we can, we can pay attention to, to what they do and learn from it. So how do they work? How is this ministry structured? How have they figured out how to do what they do? Well, it's actually quite easy. It's quite straightforward. And they have done what we are now going to do, which is they've delved into Scripture to say, how do you build an Acts-style movement of people? And we find uh, that the key to that is the Apostle Paul talks to his young disciple, Timothy, and answers this very question. He says, 2 Timothy 2, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So we'll leave this up here for a while so you can consult it and, and sort of figure out what it's saying. And the first, you need to start with strong leadership, with people who understand God's grace. You need your leaders to have strong relationships of grace with Christ. Okay, that, that makes reasonable sense. That's reasonably important. And then the gospel is passed on to others who pass it on to others. And the, 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 the whole shape of the organization grows out as people pass it on to others and pass it on to others. It doesn't stop at any point. It just keeps getting passed on. Now, Bluebird Group have done this, where the leaders have shared their faith, to people who have shared their faith quite, quite quickly, the, the learners become leaders, and they are up to 23 generations of believers. Last time I was here, it was 18. So there's five new generations, or well, last time I talked about this, five new generations since then. And it's grown to such a level that there's a, now a new term for what they do. It's called a DMM, or a disciple-making movement. That's what they're about. They've created this movement that is so far beyond their control that it has gone, you know, in the parlance of the young people here, it's gone viral. And they're not just passing on. This is important as well, because we often quote this verse, and we stop at verse 2, and we go, there you go. But hang on, 3 and 4 actually set the context, because we're not passing on some nice, safe, comfortable, sanitized version of the gospel. Like, this is serious stuff. You have to be 
willing to join in the suffering. You have to be a soldier for Christ. And the trick is, as you pass on to each new generation, is that generation does not get distracted by civilian affairs, by the worldly stuff, by career, by life. Because if you get distracted, the whole thing will grind to a halt. So be focused, be intentional, do whatever is required. And that's what Bluebird Group has done. And let me give you a very specific example of it. And I want to introduce you to a man that John T and I met called Mr. Toilet. Now, Mr. Toilet, who does not speak English, uh, heard me ask someone, is that Mr. Toilet? And his face went, <sighs> and you can tell he does not love this nickname, but uh, by the same token, he's, he's earned it and it's given with affection. His real name is Pat, and I'll call him Pat because I think he would want me to. And so Pat is one of the disciples within the network, within the community of Bluebird Group. And he has a business that, that does toilets and bathrooms and, and things like that. But he is also uh, you know, an evangelist, a, a church planter, and is very focused on community development. And in, as part of his job as he was going into rural communities... He noticed, he tells a story that I won't share here because it's gross, but he noticed in a, in a very visceral way that these communities lacked toilet facilities. And he thought to himself, I bet we could do something about this. And I bet as we do something about this, I bet we can reach these people with the gospel. So being a very smart man, Pat decided that what he would do is he would send in a team, but he wouldn't send enough people. And so that would do two things. One is it would mean the people that were trying to help the villagers and their families would all need to gather around and work together in community to get the job done, to build toilets and bathrooms for these communities. It also meant the whole process would take far longer than it really should. And, and as these teams would all come together with, with him and his people, they'd begin to have conversations, they'd begin to build relationships. And so they would build these uh, toilets for about $200. They'd build a toilet and a, and a bucket shower and a water line to the house with, with running water and a septic tank. And over the, the weeks of this, relationships would start to happen in, in these communities and these villages. And this work was greatly appreciated by the government. And so the government kicked in and they supplied funding to help do this. This anti-Christian government was funding rural village evangelism, essentially. And so the result of this is over 12 years, they have put in 1,700 toilets. That's pretty cool, right? They have baptised 3,000 people. That's really cool. And it's still going. It's still going. It's still building. This is just one guy in the wider network, just one guy that we met that had a great idea and went out and did it, and he built these toilets, and he raised up disciples who are now raising up disciples, and on and on it goes. Now, that's pretty impressive, right? But oh my, is that just the tip of the iceberg? Because as of June, and I'm going to quote you some figures that will seem extraordinary, but we've seen the spreadsheets, 659,049 people have been led to the Lord by the Bluebird Group. And they have baptised 424,131 people, and they have 120,989 small discipleship groups over 23 generations of believers. 
And these, by the way, are just the numbers, because they're very fastidious about this, these are just the numbers that they can 100% verify, and they estimate that there are probably another 300,000 believers in their network that they cannot say with certainty. And it's more than that, because they work with a lot of migrant workers, so they uh, have also um, sent people out, and there are movements of more than 1,000 people in at least eight other countries and smaller movements in 15 more countries beyond that. These guys have a vision. They have an extraordinary vision. They want to see by the end of this year that number, that 659,000 reach a million people verified. But by the end of 2028, within five years from now, they want to see six million people, and they are absolutely on track as they add 12,000 new believers to their movement every month, about 90% of whom are coming from Islam. And all of this, by the way, is achieved by an organization that has just 80 people on the payroll, nearly all of whom are bivocational, get some contribution towards their costs, and have other businesses and jobs to provide for their needs. All of that, their, their budget would astound you what they operate all of this on. You impressed? Because uh, they're pretty darn impressive. And imagine, imagine if that was happening here. Imagine if that was happening in Christchurch in New Zealand. Imagine if on a Sunday morning we were overwhelmed as we baptised people as the line went out the door and round the corner and we just could not keep up with the baptisms. Imagine if, if on a Sunday morning we, we, we just had queues of people wanting to stand at the microphone and share testimonies about the amazing transformation in their lives, the, the, the healed relationships and, and the, the broken bondage in their lives. Imagine the, the power and the glory of God on display as we heard from person after person who had joined our family of God. Imagine what that would be like here because that's what's happening there. And there is, folks, absolutely no reason that that could not happen here. Imagine that. Just think about that for a moment, if that was what was going on here, if that's what we were seeing in our community. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Wouldn't you give anything to see that happen? Would you? I'm going to do something unusual. I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to pray for a moment. Do you really want to see this happen? Ask God to reveal your heart to you. Is this really what you want to see happen? Do we really want to see our community transformed by the gospel? What is really our vision and our priority? You can open your eyes. Now, this is no beat up this morning. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands or like, you know, 
crouch based on, on how much you really want. We're not, we're not doing that. This is not about that. Because the fact is, if I were asked the question, who wants this enough? None of us want this enough. None of us sees this community out here in, in these streets around us like Jesus does. None of us live moment by moment with the reality of the pain and the trauma and the loneliness and the disconnection and the sin and the bondage that characterizes so many people that we see driving past us here on Sunday every morning. None of us sees it like Jesus does. None of us walk in the reality that the people that walk past us here at church on Sunday morning that these people are separated from God and will go on to that separation for all eternity unless the miraculous happens and somehow they're able to be reconnected and forgiven by God. None of us cares like he does. None of us. But how much do we actually care? Is it actually our, our, our vision? Is it really our desire to see this community transformed? Because I don't want to just stand here and assume that we do care, that we really do have this desire. And as we set off on Missions Month, I don't want us to talk about all these things that we could do if we don't really want it. And so I ask of, uh, uh, this of, of you, and I've, I've been asking myself this for weeks, how much do we really care because our vision matters. Our goal, our desire, our intention counts. It's the starting point. If we don't lock that in, nothing will follow. Now, Bluebird Group has a vision of a million believers within the year and six million believers within five years. And, and they take that seriously. They desire that above all things, and they talk about it, and they, they pray about it, and they get excited about it, and they plan for it, and they resource it, and it's, it's really their vision. And God is showing up, coincidentally. Perhaps there is some connection between the seriousness with which they take this and, and the degree to which God actually partners with them to reach their community. They, they fix their eyes on this point and they pursue it unwaveringly, and you can see it. It sticks out. So where are our eyes fixed, folks? What, 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 are, what are we fixed on? What is that end point that we work towards above all other end points? Is our real vision as a community, is it just to be comfortable here? Is it to worship God on a Sunday morning and learn more about him and then go out and just carry on and look like everyone else? Is that our vision? Is that, is that what we're, we're really about? Do we have all of these spiritual treasures that God has given us just to hoard them for us, really? Do we obey God or not? Because make no mistake, we know exactly what he wants from us. He's laid that down very clearly. And I've, I've shared this verse before. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. 
and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is the message we take out of these doors. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the message. And we are to be the messengers. We are to be the ambassadors that take that message. We are to go out wherever he has placed us, and to at least some degree, that is here in St. Martin's, in Christchurch, in New Zealand. Let's go back to our friends at Bluebird Group again. See, Bluebird's vision is simply a statement of agreement with God, with, with a, a number that just represents their faith. They've said a million people because that's, that's what they think they can achieve. And all they've done, they haven't come up with some fancy vision, you know, come up with some sort of corporate think tank. They've just sort of said, oh, we're going to go and, and reach people because that's what you've told us to do, God. And we think we can hit a million people. Now we think we can, we can hit six million people because that, that's the level of our faith. They think they can shepherd a million people into the kingdom by the end of this year. What a vision. Isn't that worth grappling with? So what about us? Are we, are we ready to acknowledge where God has put us? Can we see what God is calling us to do? And will we simply agree with him? That's it. We don't have to come up with anything. We just have to agree with him that we have a job to do, and that it's important, and it really, really matters. And then how much faith do we have? How far are we prepared to go? What is our, what is our vision? Because the whole process starts with a vision. That's why I think it's important, but it, does, it certainly doesn't end there, right? Now, if we say we really do want to see this community transformed, that's, that's fantastic. But folks, I wouldn't expect God just to click his fingers and do it. Oh, he could. But he has given us the job, the honor, the privilege of being his ambassadors. He could just do it, sure. But he says, I want to work with you guys. I want to give you the joy of leading people into the kingdom. I want to see what you're capable of. I want to see your faith stretched. I I want to see you become the people that you could be by being my ambassadors. And he makes his appeal through us. He implores through us. That's what he says. He's told us what his plan is. And so we have to pull up our sleeves and we have to sharpen our faith a bit and we have to be prepared to do our bit and we have to pray and we have to think about this vision because it will cost us. Let's go back to the Bluebird guys again. They spend so much time focused on their mission. It's extraordinary. And it costs them financially and personally. I mean, they're joyful people, but man, they've paid a price for what they've seen happen. It's cost them career goals. It's cost them lifestyle. It's cost them their health. They, they lost 3,000 leaders during COVID because the people kept going out to serve others. It's cost them a huge amount. And so when we sing songs and we talk about we want to see this world changed, I draw us back to that and go, but are we prepared to count the cost? Really? When we were in Salatiga, John T and I, 
we met a guy called Sammy from Iraq. He, he's one of the guys that's connected to Bluebird Group, and that's how far their reach has, has gone. And while we were there at this little mini-conference, Sammy heard that one of his number, one of his team, had been shot in Iraq, had, had been martyred. And we saw the impact that had on him. And we all gathered round, and we, we were sort of sitting at the fringes, and we prayed for Sammy, and we prayed for his team, and it was just this beautiful, special moment, and, and you got a sense that this was quite something to, to be connected with. And you saw this, this heaviness as, as they reflected upon losing one of their own. And, and one of their team prayed, uh, prayed and acknowledged that this was, this was the most God could ask from us, that we would, we would lay down our life, we would lose our life. That's, that's, that's the ultimate cost, isn't it? And these guys are going back, Sammy was going back to just carry on the work. But the outcome of that work in that terrible, terrible place, and it is terrible at the moment in Iraq, is I've seen 5,000 Muslims come to faith in that place with their small team. And that, that is growing and growing and growing, and it's another movement. When you think about that, does it, does it touch your heart? Does it reach down and, and trigger something in you? to remind you that this is what God has asked for all of us. This isn't just for the elite. This isn't just for the Indonesians or the Iraqis to risk their lives to take the kingdom out. This is what he has given to every one of us to do. In one of the most haunting and sober passages in the gospel, in Luke 9, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Do we do that? Do we spend our lives trying to gain the whole world while our very selves are, are ebbing away because we are not partnering with God in his mission to reach this community? So I'll ask again, do you really want to see this community transformed? How much do you want to see these wonderful, broken, sinful, lost people be wrenched out of the hands of the enemy and led by the hand into the kingdom of God? How much do you want that? Are you prepared to do what it takes, even if it means disrupting your lifestyle, even if it means giving up some of your hopes and aspirations and, and career goals, even if it means sacrificing your time? Do you want that badly enough to count the cost? This week, I, I really want to encourage you to ask yourself that question every morning. It's just to pray, just for a moment, and just say, Lord, am I serious about this? May it just convict your heart and sit with you. Take this opportunity to revise and review and say, Lord, where am I at in terms of all of those people out there? Now, let me make this personal for a moment. When I was putting this together, I thought, what do I really want to say to you all? I don't, I don't get this opportunity all the time, so what do I really want to say? 
I get to serve with a group of people in, in Bright Hope World and, and go around the world and just step into these spaces and worlds that are a huge privilege. Let me be a little bit selfish for the moment. I want to serve shoulder to shoulder with you all here. I would love to weep for joy and worship as we see streams of people coming to join this family of God because they have come to know him. I want to see people fall on their faces in repentance here on a Sunday morning, people from out there. I want to struggle to learn the names of all the new believers that come in here that I'm just overwhelmed by it. And I'll tell you something else. I want to connect with my friends at Bluebird Group and tell them what they have inspired in us here. I want to make them a little bit jealous by all of the things that are happening in St. Martin's. And then I want to tell them, and, and partly this was because of what we learned from you, and you triggered something. I do. I want to reach this community side by side with you all because it's an amazing thing. Nothing drives fellowship and community like locking arms and going out there. That's what I really, really want. But I know enough not to romanticize what this will take. I know something of the sacrifice and the pain and the challenge it takes to participate in God's mission and that force that wants to pull you away from it. We see this when Jesus talks to the rich young ruler who, who knew so much and was so close, close like we are, so close to the truth of God. But when he asked Jesus what he still lacked, Jesus said in Matthew 19, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, sell your possessions, sell what's keeping you from the kingdom of God, and then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this, saying he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What a tragedy. He got, he got so close, but in the end the cost was too high. He had too much, too much to lose. I really pray, both individually and collectively for us right here today, I pray that we will not make the same mistake. We will not get so close and then step away because it's too hard. Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at what Bluebird Group has done with their vision, what they uh, do with what God has given them. And, and we see that their success and what they're doing is absolutely a miraculous work of God. In no way is this anything other than a work of the Spirit. But still, we see some things that they have done that we think we can learn something from. And, and what we see is that they have prepared diligently they pursue opportunities strategically, and they, and they prioritize their time biblically, and we're going to talk about that over the next three weeks. But the reason why I'm going on as I am this morning is because none of this will matter unless we have our vision in the right place, unless we're actually bought into this idea of reaching our community. None of this will count. And I don't want us to just buy into it intellectually and nod along and say, yes, yep, the Bible does say that. It's not enough. We have to genuinely and prayerfully count the cost and say, I am all in, God, whatever it takes. 
And I shared this message a little bit and what I was going to talk about in our Connect group a few weeks ago. And one of our group, and, and I'm sure this person would prefer to remain nameless, so I'll honour that, prayed a prayer at the end that just struck me because it was so honest and powerful. And so I want to pray this together with you in, in just a moment as the, the team comes up. What this person said in our group is, Lord, I want to want what you want. That's a good prayer. Let's pray it. Father, this is hard. What you ask of us is hard. And running through our minds are a thousand different reasons why we can't do this. I'm not gifted. I don't have the time. It's not my thing. I'm not spiritually mature enough. Whatever. Lord, but we know that these are just excuses. That you have put a call on our heart. You have given us so much. You have forgiven us so much. And because you love people, you want us to take what we know and share it with people who don't know. And Lord, that's, that's all you ask of us, is just to go in, in love for you and for others and just share and serve. And so, Father, we, we ask that you would help us to want to want what you want that you would give us the desires of our hearts, that you would refine and reform our hearts so that they would want what you want, so that we would begin the process of taking a journey that leads to the expansion of the kingdom of God in your name and for your glory, Lord. May you just break our hearts this week. Just help us to repent where we need to, help us to humble ourselves where we need to, help us to call on your name for help where we need to. Because we're none of us perfect, Lord. We are on a journey and we have so far to go and that's okay. But Lord, help us to align with your vision. Help us to at least agree where it is we're going. And then give us strength, build us up little by little. Help us to help one another Help us to call on your name. Help us to be transformed, Lord, so that we can be the vessels of transformation for others. Father, we love you. That's what comes first. You love us. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. May we honour and glorify you with everything we do. In your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.